Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. I appreciate Jeff for giving me the privilege to preach today, although I'm going to be like a lot of you. I'm going to miss the fact that Jeff's going to be preaching at me. I have greatly enjoyed uh, sitting there and taking in God's Word, and you have done a tremendous job, Jeff, and I greatly appreciate you. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Now, that, you weren't amen in the part that you're going to miss me and miss him. I, you were just saying Jeff's done a good job. All right, I just want to make sure that we understand that. It's a special day, being Father's Day, and I'm going to use my own dad as some of the illustrations that I give today, but it's also 46 years ago today I married my wife. So uh, that's a... To be honest, that's a greater gift than my dad. Some of y'all can relate to that. There were times I didn't really love my dad that much. I got sore back here, Al. Many a time I remember those whoopings that I got trying to get me. But uh, anyway, so thank you for that. Listen, we're going to talk about fathers today, but I pray that you can take in what I say the test of a great father Uh, You can take in that that each one of us go through tests. It's not just for a father. I'll be specifically challenging fathers today and showing you the father of fathers and the truths and the things that he learned and the things that he did and the reason that God could bless him. But the reality is each one of us go through tests. I mean, right now as a nation, we're in the midst of a coronavirus and our nation is going through a great test and it sure doesn't seem like we're turning to God. It seems like one of the saddest times in the history of our nation. And listen, you go through tests as well. And there are choices that you make in the midst of those tests that just really determine your life. So I want to introduce the sermon tonight with a little, or this morning, with a little story that I found this morning. After I already had my points, I read this and I thought, now this is a great way to illustrate and begin the sermon today. A Father's Day story. The man was already tired after walking only a few hours. He knew that it was going to be a very long and weary journey. As he gazed ahead, he did not notice much of what was going on about him. He was concentrating on what was in the distance. As they traveled, he was always searching for what was on the horizon. He was looking for the telltale sign of a mountain. Not just any mountain, but one in particular Mount Moriah. When one looked at him, you do not see a man who lived a nomadic life, but a man of regal bearing, a man that was used to command and being obeyed. The years laid heavy on his body, but they had not been harsh years. Yes, he appeared old, but one could see the long white hair and the many wrinkles in his face, but his eyes were very clear. His gaze was steady. He walked with purpose. And now when you looked into his eyes, you could see that they were lost in thought. The days passed slowly and the nights even more so. As he walked, his pace began to slow, not from weariness, but dread. Not because of his age, but because of love. During the past few days, his mind has been troubled. He had not slept well due to the turbulent thoughts. He was only one matter in a life that had conquered many matters. It was only one thought that caused a heavy burden on his heart and sleepless night. 
His legs, though used to long journeys, were now too weary to keep a decent pace. His shoulders, though used to burdens, seemed especially tired by the weight and the responsibility leading this procession. He had traveled far through hot days and cold nights. Yes, he had companions for the journey. There was three men with him to share his tent. Additionally, there were several animals to carry woods and supply. His companion recognized that their leader was lost in thought. They recognized from his troubled brow that he was wrestling with his thoughts. They kept their conversations at a low murmur so as not to disturb the old man. When at night they rested, they sang their traveling songs quietly so their leader could rest. They had been traveling only three days. Normally, this would have been a very simple journey for them. On this occasion, it was a very difficult journey. The reason was Isaac. If God had called Abraham to Mount Moriah to sacrifice an animal, it would have been a simple and very easy walk. The fact that Isaac was to be the sacrifice had made this a very difficult walk. How could this be, the old man pondered. My son, my son, in whom my inheritance lies, now to be taken away. First he was promised to me, now I'm to sacrifice him. Why? How will I be able to look my wife in the face when I tell her what I have done? How can I return home with blood on my hands? the blood of my son. We waited for this child for so many years to the point we began to doubt that God would keep his promise. Now he's here. Why does God want to take him away? With a heavy heart and a weary mind, Abraham slowly approached Mount Moriah. Abraham, only days before a joyful father, was now a sad but determined father. He had many questions but no answers. Yet he continued to forge ahead to that terrible mountain. Yes, Abraham questioned what loving father would not. Yet Abraham still continued to obey God's command. Let me pray that God challenges each of us in the tests that we go through in life to put him first and foremost. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the stories that we see in your word. Thank you especially for... Mount Moriah, a mount that you provide. Thank you for being able to sing that we have a father that so loves us. He would offer his son for us. God, may we not miss the message in the midst of the verses today. May we be overwhelmed with the love that you would have for us and the grace and the mercy that's been bestowed upon us. And God, may we recognize that life is full of tests. God, the greatest test will ever pass is the test to put you first and foremost. God, I do pray that you speak to fathers today. Rearrange what they might think is a good father. Help them to understand what it takes to be a great father. And Lord, may we, as Abraham did as a dad, may we pass that test as we walk through this life, no matter the call, no matter the hardships you put in front of us. We trust and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Old school again this morning. Uh, normally I give my notes to Diane and she puts them on PowerPoint for me. And so we just go from there because I'm pretty much clueless as to how to do it. I, I do think, uh, y'all already put one up. There you go. 
I thank Jonathan for putting the verses up so we can go through them. Thank you for your help, Jonathan. You are my tech daddy. And uh, that's what I tell him all the time. So happy Father's Day to you. And I hope this is good today. We're going to take the story of Abraham and Isaac, as you've already guessed. And we're going to tell it from the standpoint, passing the test of a great father. But I pray that you each understand that there's a challenge that's in your life that you've got to pass as well. Abraham passed passed the test. You'll begin with me there in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. And we'll stop. It's going to be a long Sunday morning, right? And we stop. God tested Abraham. Really is a test from God. The situation that's put upon his life is put there by God to test him, to see if he'll pass or he'll fail. I looked up that word test, and there are 57 verses in the Bible about tests. There's a lot of people that we know about the test they went through. Job, we understand the test of Job. We understand the test of Gideon. Was he going to trust God with 300 men in the New Testament? We see that God challenged Peter that he was going to be tested. We know the test that was put on the children of Israel in the wilderness. (laughs) And they failed that test miserably. The test of manna where God provided, and yet they still grumbled and griped. There's tests that are put upon each of our lives. And for us to be great, not in the eyes of man, but for us to be great in the eyes of our Creator, there are tests that are put in our life that we must pass. I circled a couple of verses because I want you to understand the tests that come on our life. Psalm says this, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. In 11, in verse 3, James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come in order to test you. And so I say to you as I challenge dads today, passing the test to be a great father, that I challenge each of you that there are tests in your life that you will face And for us to pass the test and receive the crown of life, uh, there are choices that we have to make in the midst of them. We will see that in Abraham's life as he goes on in the story. The verse ends, and now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. The first thing that you must know to pass the test that God puts upon us, you must know the voice and the word of God. You must listen to the voice and the word of God. To be a great father is not coming and sitting in church and Just hearing a sermon preach, you must know personally the Word of God. Jeff said a couple of weeks ago in the pulpit that what he's learned in this coronavirus time is that personal discipleship is a tremendous responsibility on each of us. If we wait on the church to do it, there are times like this. We're in trouble. But to be personally involved in the Word of God is an important task for each of us. And so if you don't know the Word of God, if you don't hear the voice of God. You don't even know when he speaks. 
You've already failed the test before it begins. Abraham hears the voice of God. He hears the word of God. The perfect example of that is Jesus in the New Testament, who also was tested, who said over and over and over again, I don't do what I want to do. I do what my father. I only do the things my father has told me. Jesus, as our example, shows us that it's important for us to know the voice of the word of God. The Old Testament, the voice of God, was a, 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 a verbal thing that came into his ears. For us, we have that which more perfect. It's called the word of God. The very voice, the very word of God is what you hold. and What we even read this morning. Do you know it? Do you recognize when you're going through life and, and there's a situation that comes up? Do you recognize what God would have you to do in the midst of that? I've challenged many times as I was reading Proverbs through in my devotion that many times I'd read a Proverbs and that very day I'd be put in a situation where that Proverbs I'd read this morning would come to mind. And that's a tremendous challenge that's on our life and it's a tremendous help when we know exactly what we ought to do in the midst of it. To, to, to be angry but don't sin. To, uh, you know, a, a kind word turneth away wrath. Don't put more wood on the fire. Just, you know, shut up, Al. That was some pretty good things for me to hear. Do you know God's word? Dads, do you know God's word enough to tell your children how they ought to act and react in the midst of situation? The test of a great father is that he knows God's word. Doesn't have to call Jeff and say, Jeff, here, here it is. What, would I, what should I do? Although there is wisdom and a lot of counselor. But you know what God's word is. Not only are you telling them what to do, but you're leading by example what to do. Abraham's a remarkable father because he hears God tell him to do one of the most difficult things that you could ever imagine. And he begins in obedience in a three-day journey. I shared with you that I, I think I was privileged to have a great father. So I wrote down some times in my dad's life that he shared with me as we went through life together. Some times when he taught me these truths. The first one I would tell you about that my dad had a situation that happened to him that I cannot imagine. Uh, well, the first one, dad was a, a class officer for his high school. And he was put in the position to give a speech at their 50th reunion a few years before he died. And my dad was a very articulate man, and he had written this down in a letter, and he let me read it. And he also showed me a couple of the responses that he got from the letter. So I remember it very vividly. My dad stood at his 50th reunion to his class, and he gave him a speech, and he talked about all the accomplishments and that where they were called the greatest generation and how he... Had, and they had given their kids, they lived in nicer houses than they would probably ever live in. They had better educations than we ever had. And, and all the things, all the progress that he had seen in his life. But he says, you know what? We failed. And our society hurts because we failed at the most important things. We failed at showing our families a stable home. We failed at keeping God's word for in the forefront of our society. We've, we've allowed it to be taken out of our schools. And we failed to give our kids the same fear of God 
knowledge of his word that our parents gave us, that we failed at that. And boy, that was an inspiring thing that I read. That he, I'll never forget it because it was so inspiring to me. It was a great sermon. He should have been preaching it in the church. And some of his classmates let him know that. One of them's a prominent judge. If I told you his name, anybody my age will know who he was. And he wrote to me. He said, listen, I didn't go to my reunion to hear a sermon. <laughs> I didn't go to my, my reunion to hear any kind of political speech. He was talking about the Bible in school and those kind of things. But you know, my dad, all of his life, taught Sunday school. My dad knew God's Word, and he knew proper times and good times to share it, even with a generation that didn't want to hear it, and many of them let him know. That's the passing of test of a great dad. You know God's Word. You know how to respond in the midst of situations that you find yourself in, and you respond on the Basis and faith that God's word is the truth. Boy, does our nation need that today. Amen. And we better pass that on to our families, Dad. Because our kids are going to be raised in a totally different generation than we were raised in. And our grandkids. There's a second thing that I want you to see if you'll read on with me. So Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship, and we will return to you. Can you imagine what that was like? As the writer of that first little story so vividly shared what Abraham's heart must have felt like, the trouble in his heart. Yet the Bible says that when Abraham heard the word of God and knew the word of God, he arose the next day and he obeyed. And he gets to this place in the story and he tells the men, you stay, we're going to go and we'll return to you. You know, there's something that happened in Abraham's life right there. He had to choose whether he loved God more than he loved his own son. He had to choose whether his affections were on things of the earth or where his affections were on the word of God. He had to choose what was the most important person and thing in his life. Who am I going to worship? And Abraham chose the word of God and the voice of God. Even in the most challenging of commandments that you could ever get. Again, I'll turn to my dad and I'll tell you a story that dad shared with me about one Sunday morning. He went to Vanderbilt to visit his granddaughter, 10 years old. She'd come down with a malignant tumor in her brain. Now, a year before, he had just lost his other granddaughter to cystic fibrosis. Second time that we had been at Vanderbilt as a family. Dad that day was supposed to be on his way to Roebuck Park Baptist Church to lead a revival service. He got up after spending the night in Vanderbilt Hospital with his granddaughter Kim. He started down the road, I think it's 65 to Birmingham, and he said he made it about a half an hour and he got overwhelmed with emotion. I didn't see my dad cry very much, so it's even hard for me to picture that. Dad said he pulled over on the side of the freeway and he just wept. 
And he said, you know, then I remembered that I've always said that my favorite Bible verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your way, acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Dad said, I wiped my face. I got where I could see again. And I pulled out on the road and said, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand. I don't like it. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to go do that revival. You see, that was a test for my dad. Do I love you more than I love these? As he asked Peter. Who is the most important person in my life? I want you to know as a grandparent now, I can't imagine. I'm glad God has not asked me to go through that. But I'm thankful for a dad that would share with me the story and point me to the truth that God can be trusted in the most difficult of situations. That even when God asks us to go through things, we'll never understand because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Some would even question the story of Abraham. Why would God do this? A moral God, why would he do it? My dad and Abraham knew that they loved God more than they loved anything on this earth. Jesus tells us to set our affections on things above. Seek first God's kingdom. All these other things, I'll take care of them for you. My dad determined that day that Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 really were his favorite verse. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. You know, Abraham says, or the Bible tells us over in Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said in Isaac, your descendants shall be called a type He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received them back as a type. Certainly we would understand the type is the picture of Jesus, our heavenly Father giving us his Son. We would question whether God would morally ask Abraham to offer his Son. And how can we question that when our holy, perfect Father in heaven gave his holy, perfect son on behalf of us. You see, God did exactly what he asked Abraham to do. I find it interesting that it was Mount Moriah that they were walking towards, what he was looking for. And y'all gave me and my wife the privilege a couple of years back to go to Israel. When you, when you enter into Jerusalem, uh, you enter into Jerusalem, you will go up to Jerusalem. You can't go to Jerusalem in any direction without going up. We entered it from the Mount of Olives, a tall hill that overlooks the Jerusalem Mount, which would might be called Mount Moriah. Now, was the crucifixion exactly where the temple is? You'll read with me if you read this. It says on one of the hills of Mount Moriah, because it's kind of like the Smoky Mountains that we just visited. It's hill after hill after hill after hill. And Golgotha... And the Garden of Gethsemane is a rock's throw from Jerusalem's temple. Was it the same place? You know, I kind of think it was. As Abraham renamed this mountain, the mount of the Lord will provide, 
the Lord did provide. He provided His only Son, Jesus Christ, on behalf of our sins. He was a Father that proved to us that He loved us. He loved His Son, but He loved us so much that He gave us His Son. And He gave us His Son on the same mount that certainly Abraham was headed towards. And Abraham recognized and didn't recognize at the time, but he recognized that God had a plan and a purpose for every trial and every test. And Abraham becomes the perfect type of our Heavenly Father giving us Jesus. I'm thankful for that picture because it challenges me in the midst of my life. There's one more thing I want you to see with me this morning, so let's go on with Scripture. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on the top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his knife and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the lamb and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. The last thing that I want you to see about passing the test to be a great father passing the test to be a great Christian. The last thing I want you to see is that you are a leader in worship of your family. You're a leader of worship to those that are around you. Abraham goes and tells his father, I mean, Abraham goes and tells his son, son, it's okay. Just follow me. Go with me. Even knowing what was in front of him. Again, you can't fathom what that would have been like for Abraham. But Abraham leads his family in worship. He's walking to the altar. He knows how to build an altar. He understands all the points of an altar. He wishes it was an animal, but it's not. It's his son. And he recognizes that sin is only forgiven by the shedding of blood. If his own son that pleases the father, he's willing to please the father. He's leading his family in worship. It's not an afterthought. It's the foremost thought in his life to be pleasing to the Father in worship. Thinking of my own dad's demise. He was teaching Sunday school here and leading our worship when he passed. He got leukemia. We spent about a month in the hospital going through a, a terrible chemo. And uh, finally, there was really... 
given just a day or two for dad to live, and he was put in a room where we could all gather around him. And my daughter, Leslie, I think Chip was on his way, if I tell the story right. But he didn't get there. Leslie was there in a room full of my sisters, a room full of family. I was there. And she said, Granddad, I'm going to do what you taught us to love. I'm going to sing some of the songs that you taught us to love. And she began to sing, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, we're all crying, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And that's his granddaughter. And dad goes, we hadn't seen him talk in a couple of days. We hadn't seen him raise his eyes. We hadn't seen anything out of dad at all. The last thing I remember is my dad putting his thumbs up when my daughter sang it as well. You see, my dad passed the test of being a great dad because he taught me to worship. He led me in worship. Sunday was a day when we spent worshiping Christ. We didn't do something else. We worshiped on Sunday. He did it not only in song. He did it with his life. Abraham passed the great test to be a great father. Because listen, he knew God's word. He recognized the voice of God and he obeyed the voice of God. Abraham was one that proved that there was nothing in his life, even his own son, that he loved more than his own God. And he led his family in worship. Hey, dads, if we're going to be great, not good dads, not just, you know, not being lazy and providing for our family. I mean, those are good things. They're not bad. But if we're going to be a great dad, we're going to know God's word personally. We're, we're going to be dads that love him more than our wives, our kids, anything that we could ever accomplish in this life. And we're going to be leaders of our family in worship. We're not going to follow our wives to church or let them take the kids. We're going to be the ones that lead in worship. The end of the story goes like this. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And said, by myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sands which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I simply close to tell you, you know, as I thought of my dad on Father's Day today, I had some good thoughts. I feel like a blessed son. Even as God promised Abraham, he was going to bless his seed. You want to be a dad that blesses your family long past when you are here? So especially while you are here, but long past that.
Listen, you be a dad that passes the test. And can I remind each of us that are here today, there are tests that are in our life each and every day. 57 times the Bible talks about tests. Over and over we see people that go through tests. I don't know the tests that you're going through today in your life right now. But I know this. God is a faithful God. You can trust Him with all of your hearts. You can acknowledge Him in all your ways. He'll direct your steps. You can set your affection upon Him. As Colossians tells us, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Is He our life? And listen, we can lead others in worship and they'll be blessed because we did it. The story is a type of a heavenly father that loves you so much. He gave you his son. Obedient even to the cross. Have you been obedient this morning to trust him as Lord and Savior? First step in passing the test. There's only one name that matters in eternity. And that name is? I think I heard it once. And that name is? Jesus. Have you trusted him? Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons 